Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Hey, does this look okay? Is this like too loose here or is it too tight there? Like, you know, what, does this look okay or do, like, it, do you like it frumpy? looks like, like it's, what's, I don't know. There's something weird going on over there that's like, doesn't look very comfortable, but then it's super loose over here. It's how did it accomplish both of those things it's at not the same a good, time? It's not a good fit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should talk about that more. Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And we're back. Uh, And for this week's episode... Two things. Firstly, we usually script these just a little bit. Not really a script, but we usually have kind of an outline, but life didn't give that to us this week. So uh, we will be working just out of our brains, which means that things may not be quite as uh, lined up as they usually are, right? Like they might not be quite as linear as they usually are, and that's okay. We're going to go with it. Uh, Secondly, I don't remember what the second thing was, which is already a fail (laughs) of the unscripted podcast. So for today's episode, um, we are going to be chatting about a question that we got from Alice Kira in the Slack room. Thank you. Love the Slack room. Love you. Um, Which is, sometimes the story your group is telling stops fitting with the system you're using. How can you recognize this happening, find a system that works better, and make the shift to a different system easier? Awesome question. Awesome question. And one that we actually have experience with separately and together. Yeah. So... A little bit of background. Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah, I was going to say, let's let's give our bona fides on this. Um, so separately, many, many years ago, uh, Chris and I were in a campaign of Underground, the 90s um, cyberpunk superhero game that I love so much that never I never get to play. And uh, we decided, and I'll save the details for it once we get into the actual episode I'll use it as examples for parts of it. But we decided to uh, shift that game out of the underground actual rule system uh, and into a uh, brand new system, which hadn't even come out in PDF. It was only available in Word doc at the time called uh, Fate Core. Wow, I feel so young right now. Yes. So... (laughs) Um, we had just, we were, it was hot off the end of the Kickstarter and the, uh, rules were, had not been laid out, but they were available in Word doc format. And so we, uh, were kind of grooving on what that game was doing. And so we shifted our game from underground into fate and it was very successful. Like we had a really good time doing it. How about, how about you? What was your separate one? And then we'll talk about our together one. Yeah, um, my separate one was also actually to Fate, but it was to Fate Accelerated. Um, I had an ongoing fourth edition D&D campaign um, that was kind of hitting that place where it's, you know, hard to get everybody and you want to know the end of the story, but things are sort of falling apart. So you're not getting a quorum of people. Um, And my solution which fixed it for how I wanted to run it and allowed us to kind of finish out the end of the story, um, was to convert that fourth edition D&D game to Fate Accelerated. Um, and that, that I don't know, gave us the impetus to actually finish the game. It fit a little bit better with the kind of storytelling we were doing at the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Which, yeah. I mean, overall, is just a better fit for you, period. Yeah, Fate Accelerated is a better fit for my GMing style, just kind of broadly, right, than yeah. a D&D, um, than any of the D&Ds. I can certainly run D&D. I certainly have run my fair share of D&D, but it, it doesn't help me. Um, I sort of fight it, right? So, <laughs> yeah, Fate Accelerated is like my... Uh, kind of my jam for a generalized system. It was the first time that I had done that, though. It was my first experience running um, a Fate Accelerated uh, game, I think, at all. Anyway, can't remember. Cool. And then should we talk about our Together experience, which was actually yeah, much more recent? Yeah. So um, most recently, we actually converted the game that we are playing together, that Phil is running, Long Live the Queen, um, from Thirsty Sword Lesbians to 
cortex. And the disclaimer that I always have to say, and I'm sure I will say again in this episode, um, is please do not get the impression that there's anything wrong with Thirsty Sword Lesbians. I love that game. I love it. I've played it a bunch and I will play it more. Um, But we did convert this particular campaign we discovered wasn't a good fit. Um, So we actually moved that campaign from Thirsty Sword Lesbians to Cortex. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, we're going to talk all about that during the the course of this episode. Yeah, it's very likely that that is going to be our primary example just because it's the one that we share. And it's yeah, recent. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it was a huge success for us. Like it came out as a huge success. Yeah, it worked really well. Um, and that game is still going and we've been playing it for a while. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we actually jump into any of the details, do you want to define fit for the purposes of a story and a game? Yeah, so we should probably talk about what makes a good fit, right? And yeah. what makes a bad fit. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I think a very legit uh, legit question. Fit means, I'll tell you what it means to me, and then I'll let you add on to it and see if you agree. When a game for me is a good fit for the story I'm telling, it means that the story I'm telling, the tropes, the themes, the tone, align with both the mechanics of the game. So like what the game is setting out to do, or I should say, the like yeah what the game is setting out to do as well as the mechanics of the game and i am a big you know like i for me this is like a big thing because you you know you could turn anything into a 5e game or a fate game or whatever that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good fit right it means that what you're trying to do in the story aligns with how the game actually plays i can homebrew anything to oblivion and it stops looking like you know the game in question i could homebrew a 5e game to make it look and feel like fate but that's not really playing 5e right at its core so what we're talking about is like a game that is a good fit is where I am telling a story. I know what kind of story I want to tell. And the game is supporting all of that. Yes. Okay. Are you, are you good with that definition? Do you want to add or clarify or just, you know, contribute to it? No, I think that's actually a pretty good definition. Okay, cool. Like, cool. Yeah. I guess um, when I am running a game that is a good fit, um, I expect that the mechanics that are available to me, both maybe both as a player and as a GM um, align with the things that I want to do in the game. Mm -hmm. That might be the one thing that I would add. Sure. I think that's uh, what you call it. I think that's also, I think that's also a good uh, take on it. So yeah. So when a game isn't a good fit is, is like, there's a moment when you're playing the game where what the game is doing mechanically is not aligning with the way that you want to tell the story. Yeah. Right. And it can be things like the mechanics are super realistic and you are telling something more fantastic. Like you want to, you want to tell a story that's very, let's say fantasy anime in nature, like, you know, high magic, huge sweeping fights, powers exploding everywhere. Um, And, you know, you're playing, um, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Sure. Right? Yeah. Now, Dungeon Crawl Classics has magic and all of that stuff, but it, 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 it has its own particular feel to it. Yeah. And so in your head, you are imagining how you want these sessions to go, how you want play to go. Players have kind of imagined their characters being able to, you know, jump through the air like 30 feet and make an attack, you know, with their, you know, with their awesome blazing sword or whatever. But like when you roll up your first level or your zero level DCC characters, you're like, whoa, this is not what I was Mm -hmm. envisioning for my game. Right. Now, that's a pretty hyperbolic um, yeah, that's a pretty drastic one. It, it, right. But it, but it, it, it ex- by using the hyperbolic example, it accentuates uh, the point. It can be far more subtle than that. Yeah. And I think the subtlety is actually what we encountered when we ended up moving Long Live the Queen out of Thirsty Sword Lesbians, right? Mm-hmm. Because what we discovered is that um, we thought, we actually thought that we were going to be playing a game that fit 
in the sandbox that Thirsty Sword Lesbians creates, right? We thought we want swashbuckling, we want romance, we want difficult decisions, like what's not to love, right? We've just described Thirsty Sword Lesbians. (laughs) But what happened was when we actually started playing the game, we discovered that there was way more spy work in how the stories that we wanted to tell, then there was swashbuckling work. And that I think was actually the key where we didn't have a move for basically the spy parts. There wasn't like a spy thing that really worked in with the basics of Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Now, could we have sat down and like started rejiggering things and like written our own move and stuff? And, you know, we we were using the catch-all move over and over and over again. We were using that more every session than any other move. Um, basically, I just kept rolling that. And then every now and then I might roll something else, which is sort of a signal, like if you're using in a PBTA well, game. In a PBTA game, if all you're doing is the catch-all move and you're not engaging with the specific move, like that's a sign that the story that you're telling is not aligning with the genre of the game, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think, where we're getting to, right, is that moment. So, yes. So you're playing your game and as a GM or as a player, right, because the, the fit can certainly come from both sides of the table on this. But you start to sense that what you're, what you're thinking this game does is not what actually this game does. Or in um, our case, actually, the stories we thought we were going to be telling yep. ended up with a different focus when we started playing them than we originally thought they were going to have. Yeah, that's also right. So that's also a good point is that you may start the game with a good fit. Right. And then as your game progresses, you may not have as good of a fit going forward. Uh, for instance, your game might work really well at low level. Yeah. But not scale upward. Mm-hmm. Right. So it doesn't scale upward. And suddenly now as you're like in the middle of your story or campaign, the game is like failing to keep up with where you thought it was going to go. Right. Or with yeah. the story that you've evolved into, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so that, so that, so that happens at some point, right? At some point, you start to get in your head this idea that this isn't fitting properly, yeah. and likely, if you are having that feeling, somebody else at the table is probably also having that feeling. Yes. As a GM. I have uh, picked up on this when players will start to make little complaints mm-hmm. about the system or um, go to do something and then suddenly discover that the system doesn't support right. uh, that action or activity. So they're like now a little crestfallen about it. And if that happens like once or so, like that's one thing, right? Like if it's like, oh, I want to do this thing. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't really work in the rules. And they're like, oh, darn it. But if like everything they're trying to do yeah. doesn't work in the rules. Yeah. Then you're like, hmm, I think something might be up. Right. And maybe, I'll, the, I'll name, maybe the problem then isn't the players, it's the framework that they're trying to work in. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to name a couple of other signs that something else is off. If sure. you are, and for this was for my, this happened in my underground game. If you start house ruling, like oh, yeah, like crazy. everything. <laughs> you're right. If you just start yeah. house ruling, wholesale house ruling stuff, yeah. you're not in a good fit because you're yeah. you, you are attempting with your house rules to realign the game to your perceived notion of the story. Yeah. You're like filling in. You're like, well, if the game isn't going to do it, I'll just make the pieces I need. Thanos, Thanosing it in, right? Yes. Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and again, perfectly fine if you're doing like a little temp rule because you're, uh, for instance, you're working on a scenario and you're like, oh, the rules don't quite cover this, but I can quick house rule up something that's going to make this fun for this adventure. But if you are like wholesale changing the whole system, you have hit um, a you are not in alignment with your game. You you have a bad fit. Yeah. The, the other one I'll mention, and, and for me, that's what happened in my underground game. We were 
slowly having read the fate rules, we were slowly dragging fate like elements <laughs> into the game. And finally, Chris was like, why don't we just do this in fate? And we were both like, yeah, right, why don't we just do this in fate? <laughs> right. Like, and yeah, the next one, which, which is what happened to us. And this is very specific to one particular uh, system. Empowered by the apocalypse, the best sign that the game is not fitting is that the majority of the moves you are using is the bucket move. Yeah. And what is the bucket move? In nearly every PBTA game, there is a move that you use when none of the other moves make sense, but <laughs> everybody feels like there should be a move. In Dungeon World, this is Defy Danger. Yep. It has it's a name in like a dozen other systems. Whatever your favorite system is, you know what this bucket move is. Mm -hmm. um, and it is the move that you go to when you don't know what move to use. And I forget in my own game, Hydro Hackers, it is <laughs> like there is a bucket move in that game and I have uh, forgotten it. It's the but, everything else move. Yeah. Yes. And you know, it's the bucket move because you can use it with almost every attribute in the game. Yes. Like if you look at defy danger, defy danger is like, and don't quote me on this because I'm doing this off the top of my head. Right. But like if you defy danger using strength and force, like use strength. If you defy danger by being nimble and quick, use dexterity. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it, because it's a bucket, Right. It's a yeah. catch all. It's designed if you were talking about programming logic. Right. It's the last if then else. Right. right. Like it's it's the one where if none of the other if supply use then this. Use this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. OK. So that said, if you are playing a PBTA game and you suddenly find that more of your roles or most of your roles are coming out of that move. Yeah. You are not in alignment. Yeah, because it means you're not actually engaging the genre of the game, which the move, the rest of the moves are enforcing. Yes. Right? <laughs> and this exactly happened to exactly, us. Exactly what happened to we us. We were playing Thirsty Sword Lesbians, and we noticed that based on the type of story we were telling, and again, you had said this very clearly, and I agree with you 100%, there's nothing wrong with Thirsty Sword Lesbians. No, it's a fantastic game. And I have also said before, I will, I've played many games in it, and I will play many more games in it, just not this one. The, the reason our game drifted was yes. we were playing a spy thriller. And at first we were like, oh, it's like Musketeers. Yeah, like, that's what we thought. We were like, we oh, thought. it's it's like it's like female musketeers doing yeah. musketeer things. Yeah. And then we got into playing it and we were like, oh, actually, it's the spy stuff is a little more covert. Yeah. And sexy. Right. Yeah. Like it was it's it's a lot more Lady de Winter than it is three musketeers. Yeah. Less D'Artagnan, <laughs> more Lady de Winter. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a nice way to put it. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, like, so it's, it still works in that framework, but like your actions are much more milady. Yeah. Yes. And, and so what happened was we stopped using a bunch of the moves in the game because we weren't sword fighting yes. and we were picking up that, that bucket move for thirsty sword lesbians one too many times. And at that point we had a talk after a game one night and I said to you, I said, we seem to be using the bucket move way more than I think we should be. Yes. Mm -hmm. And either we need to start making a bunch of other moves for this game. Yeah. Or maybe we should play something else. And then it just happened that I was getting into Cortex and was like, I think it was, I had already started playing Ox. Yes. Was into Cortex Prime. And I was like, we could do this in Cortex Prime. And I was pretty confident you would like it because it's very fate-like. And I was like, mm -hmm. this, like, it'll, you will have to roll a bunch of dice and that will at first seem to be a negative in the game. Nah. But the game actually operates very fate-like and then it turns out to be um, a lot more fun. Yeah. I mean, like, for this particular story, because it is supporting a lot more of the covert spy work stuff. Well, a large part because in fate, I'm sorry, in Cortex Prime, you build the game. Yes. So 
we, we went we and built, built the game to yes. do exactly yes. that. We built the game to play the story that we were already telling. Yes. Which was super good because one of the things you can do in Cortex Prime, and you can actually hear this on MM Plays, is you pick the prime sets, that is the blocks that make up the character. So when we picked the prime sets, we picked them in a way to show and highlight like what the actual activities in the game were going to be. Yes. And and we picked some interesting ones knowing what the activities in the game were mm-hmm. going to be too, right? Because what is, let's see, it's the second one down on the character sheet and I, it's, I don't remember what the name of the module is. It's like the... Affiliations, I think. Affiliations? It, it's Maybe. the basically, yeah. I, it's the why you're, it's the why you're doing it. Yeah, which is really interesting for this game because, you know, a lot of times, you know, because it's a Three Musketeers based thing, it's a duty, a duty to queen and country. Right. So they're but not it, always. It's duty, love, uh, family. Yep. Um, no, I can't remember, I can't remember the rest lust? of them. There is lust? definitely lust is on that list. Yeah. Yeah. Because what it came down to, and I think this was one of the things we highlighted when we were doing our own design of the game was there is a skill for seduction. Yeah. And one can do seduction for love, lust, or duty. Or duty. Right. Yeah. And they and they mean different things. Yes. And they so that that will affect your role differently depending on why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but moving right along from our, our fun cortex setup, um, that was definitely so I, I think in a nutshell, um, Thirsty Sword Lesbians is an awesome game that does really cool, fun things. And we discovered partway through that our story wasn't the story it was built to tell. Yeah. So perfect. Let's go back to that part. Yes. You discover that you are in a place where your game system is not aligning with the story you want to tell. Yes. What do you do next? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is uh, have a conversation, right? No surprise. Like, you know, no surprise if you know us. The first thing you should do is as a group is have a discussion and determine which thing is actually out of alignment. So yes. Is it that everybody really wants to play Dungeon Crawl Classics, but we're not telling the right Dungeon Crawl Classic stories? Mm-hmm. Or is it we all really want to play this kind of story and it doesn't fit with Dungeon Crawl Classics? Because yes. the, 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 the alignment part isn't always the rule's fault. Yeah. Because yeah, and I think that's why I keep repeating over and over again that Thirsty Sword Lesbians is a great game because it's not the rule's fault that we went off a different direction with our story. Correct. Right? There's <laughs> nothing wrong with those rules. Yeah. Yeah. Solid, completely solid rule set and completely enjoyable game. And if we were playing more D'Artagnan than Milady de Winter, it would have worked would, perfectly. We would have we would yeah. have nailed it. Yeah. Um <laughs> But we didn't. But we didn't. <laughs> By the way, just to just to close the loop, because yeah. I was flipping through my directory while we were talking, In Harm's Way is in the Hydro way. Hackers yes, bucket move. Good, um, good, good. Well done. And it is basically, and it is based off of Defy Danger in yes. Harm's Way. Yeah. Yep. Cool. The, the everything else move. Just had to bring that up, right? <laughs> just, That's fine. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't continue talking about it without that loop closing. My brain was using sure. up cycles to try to solve that problem. Sure. No, All I right. appreciate it. It's good. So having had the talk, which yes. one do you want to fix? Let's talk about how to fix either one. Sure. Okay. So let's talk about the first one, which is... Uh, the rules are fine. We're telling we're our story has drifted out of alignment. Right. But we're committed to this rule set and we do actually want to play the game that these rules are created to do. Yeah. Right. In this case, I think so. The tricky part here is in this case, you have to get your story back in alignment in alignment with your rules. So one, you may need to just kind of refresh yourself on stories that do match this game system, in which case I highly recommend uh, if there are any published adventures around, grab a published adventure, read through it, get a good feel for like what actually fits in the, you know, in the scope of the stories of this game in this in uh, in the rule set and things like that. I think that's a really quick way to kind of get like re like to gauge 
what a story covers. Yeah. Yeah. You're nodding. So cool. I am not sorry. Nodding audio. No, no, it's podcast. Fine, it's fine. <laughs> I just, you know, just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. All right. So yeah. And then what you're going to have to do, and this is the tricky part is you're going to have to figure out how to get from where you are in the story to where you need to be. And there are basically two ways to do that. One, you can just get the scissors out. Yep. And just say like, hey, uh, that previous story ended this way. Snip. We're just going to. And we're starting here with a new story. Yes. No problem. Honestly, in a week or two, no one will even care or notice. It'll all pass by and it'll be fine. You can just take a hard cut to it, right? Mm -hmm. The other way to do it is to get out your blending pencil. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to do a little work to kind of steer the story back <laughs> to where it needs to be. You might have to tone some things down. You might have to drop some things out. You may, you know, you may need to break out some notes and kind of figure out how do you get from, you know, our high flying anime uh, plot line back to more of a gritty dungeon crawl kind of thing. Like you're going to have to do some work. Uh, and and your players have to be on board, right? And oh, that's yeah. key in terms of having sat down and had that conversation with them Thank before you. you start doing this. Because if you're like, we're not playing this story to the rules and I'm really interested in the rules and they all say, yes, me too, but then they won't give up their 30-foot leaps, then then maybe it's not actually the story that they want to tell, even though they told you it was the story they want to tell, right? Like, make sure everybody's on board with what that story would look like. You know, if they all say, yes, but we really want to play Dungeon Crawl Classics, then the conversation is about, okay, so if we're playing Dungeon Crawl Classics, then we have to reset the tone. We have to reset the expectations. This is what it looks like, you know, then go. So I once killed a... I once killed a campaign in session zero for exactly this. Yeah. So I had, my group had told me, they were like, we want to play leverage. Sure. And I was like, cool. Uh, You know, I don't know too much about this game, but yeah, let's cool. Let's play leverage. I love the show. Love the show. So we all sit down. And I'm, you know, I explained to them how you make characters, right? Like there are the, like the main classes, right? Hacker, hitter, grifter, mastermind. And I'm like, and you're, oh, and thief. And I'm, and I told them, I like, you pick two, right? You pick a primary and a secondary, just like the TV show. Mm-hmm. And so they all went around the table and all of them had, had um, uh fighter, whatever it was, whatever the punchy one is, sure. <laughs> but had that one in their pick. Some of them had picked like fighting and hacking. Some of them picked like fighting and, and, and mastermind, but like, or mastermind and fighting. Like it was all of them had fighting. And I was like, guys, are we really playing the right game here? Like mm-hmm. you all seem to want to fight things as well as do some like spy steely stuff. And we actually, in session zero, changed games. Yeah. yeah because was, that's a good catch is what that it, is. Yeah. It was a quick sign that we were out of alignment. Like it, when everybody in the game wanted to fight something. And if you've ever watched Leverage, like, yes, there's some fighting, but it's not a rolling fight. Yeah. And we wound up picking a game that had a much more robust combat system mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And the players were much better, uh, much better behaved. <laughs> Like it was a much better fit for what we were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about fixing story and getting back to the game. Let's go the other way. You have the conversation with the players and everybody's like, no, the story kicks ass. The game is out of alignment. We can, we do something else. Yes. So the, the first thing I said was, can you house rule it? So is it a little out of alignment? Because if it's just a little out of alignment, will a few house rules solve this problem? Like mm-hmm. maybe everybody's like, no, uh, this is great. Like we, we are really enjoying like 5e, but we, you know, can we house rule out movement? 
like the movement rules or can we give ourselves like extra rests so that we recover our hit points faster so we're more heroic like you can do like a couple of those little ones yeah to tune the system up to a certain point yes while while it's still the system but there is a diminishing point of returns where I don't know if it's a diminished point of returns. There is a point where you have house ruled the game so much that it's not really the game anymore. Right. And you get to a point of, should you still be using the system or is there another system that actually does this better without all the house rules that you haven't fully tested, haven't fully vetted, um, that kind of thing. Right. And that was, that was, uh, (laughs) so to be honest, when I did my first game transition, which was from fourth edition D&D into Fate Accelerated, um, that was definitely something where I was just like, I don't want to run D&D anymore. And I said, are you guys cool if we just move it? And they said, yeah, sure, whatever, right? Like it was less of a conversation and it was less of a thing that didn't fit and more of a thing that didn't fit me personally. Um, Sure, But that's still a thing, right? And as the person running the game, it's still something that has to be taken into account. I had a very specific point that I was going to with the beginning of this story that I have completely forgotten. So you should probably talk now. (laughs) Let me pick it up. Let me pick it up right from there. Along the same lines, and I think it's pretty common uh, in this particular genre, is superhero games. So there are a number of really good superhero games out there. And they all kind of do things a little differently. And so you might think to yourself that you, what you really want is I would like to play uh, Mutants and Masterminds only to discover that like Mutants and Masterminds is pretty fiddly actually in terms of powers and rolling. And what you really wanted to play was something like Icons, which is like a much simpler lighter system that, uh, you know, focuses a little more on action and less like on trying to like build like your character powers, like, you know, tune them all up kind of thing. Or maybe you wanted to play Marvel Heroic or something like that. So in those cases, it's not that the game doesn't do a thing. Like we're playing superhero game. It's fine. It's mechanically as a GM, you're just like, I don't like running this game. Yeah. And that's legit. And, yeah. and on the flip side of it, the players might not like playing, playing this the game. game. Yeah. Like they wanted to be heroic, but this thing's a D20 game. Like, and so like you miss a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and, and it feels like a D20 game and maybe that's not as much fun, you know, as a, as more of a fate based yeah. superheroes game or a or, cortex superheroes game. Yeah. Or even, um. Savage Worlds, right? Where you sure. games where you have a little bit more control over like right now I want to care and I'm going to make this huge and bombastic um, and, and being able to like push kind of when you need to or want to. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's so I think that's I think that's a very legit point is that sometimes it isn't really that the story isn't aligning to what the rules are doing. Sometimes and it falls into the same category here, which is the rules of the problem. Sometimes it's just like, we don't like playing this game. Right. And that's not saying the game is bad. It's saying that the, the fit is actually with your preferences for what you like. Yeah. In playing games. How you want the game to feel as you play it. Yeah. And there are like, I am pretty good this far into my tenure as a role player that if I open up a rule book that I've never seen before and flip to the uh, task resolution and the combat, I get a pretty good feel if I'm going to like this game or if this game is like, like, you know, maybe it uses a dice mechanic I don't particularly like, or when they look at the procedure for combat, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of steps, right? Like, yeah, that's more steps than I like in a combat. I'm very much a, you know, one to two roll combat kind of guy. Uh, my own personal preference doesn't say anything about the construction of the game. Game could be perfectly fine, but sometimes not for me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, other part of that is uh, 
so if the if the mechanics aren't a good fit for you, the other part is the mechanics can't support the story you're telling. Yes. So we talked about the homebrew part and, you know, the point at which maybe you've homebrewed away the game. And the only mm-hmm. reason I caution about heavy homebrewing is that homebrews, and we've somewhere in our stack of episodes, we've talked about homebrew Definitely rules. Definitely have, yeah. Some, your homebrew rules are never fully tested. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to put them in and like, you're going to, you're going to, you're, you're testing in prod. Yes. That's what I was going to okay? say. Like, yes. yeah, this is testing in production. Yes. You're live. And, and with all the <laughs> risks that testing in production brings with it. Yes. So you, you might like, you might like, if you're adding just a couple things like, oh, we're going to add more spell points to everybody or everybody's getting like extra short rests or whatever. You can kind of predict how that's going to go. But once you've put in about 10 homebrew rules that possibly also interact with each other, your ability to assess how they're going to go is weak. And Mm -hmm. the likelihood that two of your homebrew rules are going to collide in a way that you did not expect goes up. Yes. and so that's why I, I make the suggestion. I think you I think you are on the same page as I am. That's and I'll say I'll switch from I to we, if that's okay uh-huh. with you. Good. Yep. Say that's, we. <laughs> that's why we <laughs> don't like homebrewing too far. Because at this point, you really don't know what you're getting. Yeah, it's difficult and, to predict. And it could call it it could all come to a calamitous screeching explosion at some point. You just don't really know. Some weird shit's going to happen and you're going to have to deal with it. Like in the middle of the, in the middle of this, you're going to have to deal with this weird shit. Okay. Which is already a challenge because you're trying to fix the game, which is having some problems. And now you've introduced a whole bunch of changes and you're testing in prod and you're getting bugs. And like, there's a lot you're trying to now balance the chance you're going to lose this game increases. So my point is past a few obvious, past a few obvious homebrew rules, maybe consider going to get another rule set. And in that case, now what we're talking about is maybe pausing the game and brainstorming what rule set we might like. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's now, maybe you're just familiar with the rule set and you're like, oh yeah, we should just flip this over to fate. Like we all like fate. We've all played Cortex, right? We're fine. That's no problem. But maybe you're like, oh, what if we got uh, this game off my shelf that I kickstarted, but never actually played it before, but I thought it was cool. Right. A little bit of an unknown. A little bit of an unknown. And I think, I think the key conversation to have going into the conversation about what game would we like better is... Um, you know, which part isn't working? Like when we do X mm-hmm. in the story, like what what is the primary thing that we want to wrap the mechanics around to make sure that we're supporting this story? And it yeah, was really point. it was really clear in our case, right? And that's why that's why our Long Live the Queen conversion is a really easy one to to talk about, is because the specific reason we transitioned systems was because um Thirsty Sword Lesbians didn't support the covert spy operations the way that we wanted it to like with sufficient depth and and detail um and so we knew leaving that that the thing that we specifically wanted was to make sure we could support that covert work um with enough depth and detail knowing that that is sort of the primary substance of a lot of our stories and that fighting is important but it is not fighting is what happens when something went wrong Fighting is not the purpose. Fighting is the backup, right? So we needed to, a game, whatever we decided, we knew going into it that that was the, the, that was the core loop of our actual story. So we needed mechanics that were going to support that. Yeah. Now, like there's, there's totally other games we could have gone to that would have done that too, right? Like we definitely jumped into Cortex because you were really excited about it. I hadn't played it yet. I was excited about the idea of trying it. And then we took Cortex Prime and built a system that strongly supports the covert operations that we were doing, right? Like that was what we took as we built it. Yeah. And that was, I think that was my, uh, my thought about it was like, oh, this building part will solve yeah. our problem. We don't have to go find a game that's a good fit for it. Right. We can go build a game that's just, a that's the correct fit. We can just make this game that is the exact fit that we want. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was very much a, um, that was very much an intentional, uh, that was very much my intention. Cool. Okay. So now let's say that you have found yourself a, you found yourself a rule set. You also have to get from where you were in the story to where you want to be in the story. Now, you don't have to fix the story. Yeah. You need to fix the transition from rule systems. Yes. So the, the, the couple things you could do. One, you could just be like, all right, cool. Why don't we just stop our current story? Let's go switch to the system and we'll go play a story in the system. Right. Mm -hmm. But probably everybody wants to kind of keep their characters. Yeah. So you're, you're going to have to now translate your characters and you can do this. I think one of two ways you could one, you could try to, for continuity sake, you could try to tightly translate your character, which means you look at your character sheet in the old system and you figure out how to translate that to the new system. Like, oh, I have um, very good sword stat. I must have a high skill stat in fighting in this game. Um, that kind of thing. So you can do like a, like you can do a like close translation, tight translation. Um, if you're Jerry, Jerry loved doing these things, right? So you could hire Jerry to translate your characters. <laughs> um, Jerry, like Jerry loved that. Jerry loves doing that. Uh, but yeah, so you could do a tight translation where you, what you're, what you come out with is your character from the original system is the inspiration for your character in the new system. And you are like, it's very, they're very close. What, whatever your character was good with in the old system, your character is good within the new system. And this is important if continuity of story is really important. If you don't want to suddenly have like all these new abilities that you never had before, but rather the stuff that you can do in the new system is pretty much the stuff you could do in the old system, but maybe it's now more aligned correctly to, you know, expectations. The other one is you could just be like, fuck it. I'm reimagining this character. Yeah. New system, similar concept. And I'm just building this character within the system that it's created with. And we'll all just deal with the continuity uh, disruption. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the key things past um, beyond just the characters is the conversation. Um, and it may depend on how far into the game you are. Cause you were talking about, do you start the story over? Right. Mm -hmm. um, or do you continue? And I think there's a conversation about that. If you're one session in and you're like, woo, this wasn't maybe the right system. It's easy to be like, okay, let's just start over. Woo. We were like six months in yes. um, and we were not starting over. <laughs> um, I was really committed, but it is also really interesting. Um, so, so I think at that point, um, and I think frequently when you are changing systems because you've decided you like the, the story so much that you would rather get a system that works with the story other instead of smoosh the story back down into the system. Um, I think usually if you're already that committed to the story, you probably want to keep it going. Right. Because mm -hmm. that that's sort of your primary thing. Um, but um, hopefully when you do that translation, what you find from a system with a better fit is that when you do that character translation from the old system to the new system by whatever means. And of course, what Phil just described is also a kind of a spectrum, right? Like when I translated my character from Long Live the Queen from a PBTA character to a Cortex character, like there's a lot more options in Cortex, right? That didn't exist on that playbook. Um, and so inevitably there's a mush of like, I translated this directly, but this part I sort of made up because you know, it didn't exist before, but also at the same time, and this is the point that I'm actually trying to get to, um, hopefully in moving to a new system, what you find is that the options that you have in that character creation allow you to create more specifically the character you thought that you were creating in the other system or the character that you ended up playing that you were, you know, fighting against the rules to play because that stuff didn't exist or didn't work the way it needed to, right? Like, so hopefully in that translation, the character, you know, stats and stuff themselves actually get easier and make more sense. And that was definitely my experience in specifically with Long Live the Queen. Although, as I said, you know, a PBTA playbook, there's a lot of holes you can just kind of fill in. Yeah. And, and I definitely kind of decided, um, you know, some of the stuff with um, 
drives um, in Thirsty Sword Lesbians. I just chose not to translate over. There is There wasn't a direct translation and it didn't end up being important to our story because our story changed so much from where we thought it was going. Um, so like some of that, you know, I just like, uh, we're just going to leave that behind, right? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. There were a couple parts that there were a couple parts during the translation that were like, oh no, we kept these pretty close. And then, Mm -hmm. like you said, there were some things that were very intrinsic to that game that we were like, you know what? We could do that. Right. It doesn't, doesn't need to be done. And we made the decision. We're like, yeah, it's fine. Just, you know, a little edit, edit and, you know, zip, zip cleaned up. Yeah. And, you know, and it was, it was stuff about like, uh, which, so just to be clear, this is still a very emotional relationshipy game, but it was stuff that was um, driving. The cool thing about playbooks for Thirsty Sword Lesbians is that they have a lot of emotional drivers. Um, and um, so I had some strong ones on my sheet. Um, when we did the conversion over, it didn't necessarily make sense to bring them over as they were, right? Like we brought over the existing relationships that all of that had created and caused in this story. And I still have those like tendencies as a character, right? But we we kind of dropped them as mechanical things that had um, consequences or forced implications about actions in the game. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So yes. Um, so everything we've been talking about, right? Let's... Uh, I think we're getting close to the wrap up point. Probably. No, it's good. It's good. I think we like, I think we made it through, right? We talked about just to kind of, just to kind of recap, we talked about what a fit is, right? Fit between story and system, right? And then we actually, in the middle of it, talked about another fit, which is fit between mechanics and your personal preferences, Mm -hmm. right? Talk about both of those things. We talked about what happens when something isn't a good fit, right? Detecting that kind of thing being out of alignment because you're kind of struggling with story or system to get them both to work together. And then we talked about what to do when the story needs to be realigned back to the rules and what happens when the rules need to be aligned to the story. And we talked about both house ruling as well as just tossing out the rules and getting a new system. So I think that we've pretty much covered the kind of the whole life cycle of this. And hopefully what's happened is that you have kind of successfully realigned your game and you are off and playing. And that was definitely true for us for uh, Long Live the Queen. We went from uh, we're having fun. The story's great. The rules aren't quite doing what we're doing to a game where the rules are doing Exactly, exactly what, what doing, we want yeah. them to do with a story that's going exactly where we want it to go. Yeah. And, so and the good will, sign is we're still playing the game. We're still playing the game. It's been going for a while. Yeah. Um, let, let me add one more conclusion piece to this, which is, is both super true and kind of funny. Um, and that is specifically in making the shift to a different system easier to grab from Alice Kara's direct question um the thing that we get to say is the thing that we always say which is it's important to communicate with everybody so that you understand what the key the key differentiator is that specific thing that you're looking for from your play sessions as a group so that when you make that transition you pick a system that does that thing and picking the right system that does that thing is the thing that makes this really easy my opinion there. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. So, uh, Alice, thank you so much for the topic. Uh, that's a fun one. That was a fun one for us because we have our own, uh, our own story about it. Yeah. Our own success story. We get to talk about Long Live the Queen a bunch. And I like that game. I love that game. <laughs> anyway, we should probably transition along to uh, the end of the show. And in order to get to the closing of the show, I need you to tell us about another show on the Mistractor Mark Network. Sure. On Thacko with Advantage, Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D. Together, they share insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal and then tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. They're going to talk anyway, so they might as well record it. Maybe you'll even pick up an ancient D&D factoid about a previous edition of the game that you will never use. This is why when we're like, you know, Phil and I sit around and we're like, yeah, we're saying a thing about D&D, but we kind of don't know the most recent stuff super well. Do you remember how that thing works? We're like, I don't know. Jared will remember. 
He'll tell us yeah, later. Yeah. And we'll not, remember. I won't remember. She'll tell us Correct. later. <laughs> it's been a while since I played D&D. <laughs> I'm playing D&D now. I still just, you I know. know, making up. There are examples, folks. Don't Don't kill us. <laughs> Don't kill us. They're just examples to illustrate ideas. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We're not fixing your actual game here. We're just giving examples. All right. Say, Senda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, you you can actually still find us on Twitter, I guess. Um, it's at Pandas Talk Games. Um, we are both on Dice.Camp on Mastodon using our individual handles, Idella Mithland and DNA Phil, which are the same handles that you can use to find us on the Dicky Talkies. Um, and... And where else? Um, yes, forums.misdirectedmark.com is always an option, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they uh, find us in one of those places or have that email address written down, what can they do with that information? Just like Alice did today, drop us off a question, a topic, an idea, something that you're wrestling with in your games. Something that if we could give you some advice, you'd be like, boy, that makes it a lot better. I'm a lot happier and I, you know, I'm having more fun gaming. That's what we want to do. We want you to have more better fun. Uh, more it's better a simple fun. formula. There's a real yes. simple formula here. I feel like, like I flip over the, like the, the flip <laughs> chart, right? The chart. If yes. you have more better fun, you'll yes. run more games. You'll yes. play games with more people. Yes. You'll play more games. You'll stay in the hobby longer real this is like this formula is gold uh it is how i've managed to stay in the hobby for 40 years and honestly i can't imagine my life without the hobby the industry different story the hobby never uh, <laughs> stays that hobby will be with me it's been with me longer than anything else anyway um that said, we want you to have the same experience, so we want to help out. So send us those ideas. We will share our insights, our thoughts, our advice in hopes that it'll help you out. Yes, so if you indeed. like what we do here, if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, consider joining our Patreon. Uh, go over to patreon.com uh, slash MMP. You will get access to Slack Room for Life, which is just phenomenal. Uh, it's fun. You can talk to a whole bunch of people on a whole variety of topics. If uh, I'm, I just recently opened a channel in it to uh, farm ideas from everybody for the MM plays game. So if you want to, I, I will ask for certain things. Like recently I just asked for ideas for NPCs and got a whole mess of them, which I got to now go harvest out and put into a Google doc so I that like I have them. I have a partially written one in that thread that I still just haven't quite finished. So <laughs> yeah. So, so, I'll, you know, we're doing that. Uh, you can talk about role-playing games and recipes and tech stuff and all that stuff. Like all of that stuff is there for people to talk about. We have Friday uh, luncheons online where we get all different kinds of people joining us on Zoom and having lunch with us. I love that. Still love that. And uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, oh, at the $4 level or higher, you get all the MM Plays stuff. Like you're getting like all the stuff that we're actually putting out for the game. Like... That includes um, that includes our rule set for Cortex Prime, our setting document. Uh, I'm now recording these little uh, 10 minute uh, solo audios called Behind the Screen, where I'm talking about uh, different things about as I'm prepping the games to just kind of give people an idea of what's going on. And we'll also be releasing my session notes so you can actually see what I prepped and what actually happened in the game when you listen to the uh, podcast. So you can actually see the Delta, like which parts did Phil, which parts did Phil wing and which parts did Phil plan, <laughs> um, which is That'll fine. Be Cause that's how games run. Like that's the it whole is. purpose. Like come see how it games is. run. Anyway, tie that whole thing off. That's great. You also, as a patron, get access to the Bamboo Lounge, which we're going to record in just a mere few minutes when I stop talking about this. And um, the after show from the Misdirected Mark, which is like when we have some time at the end of a recording to kind of talk about what's going on in life, what we're watching, that kind of stuff, just BSing and stuff like that. Some people like that stuff about us. Uh, what else do you, what else, what else does Patreon get you? That's yeah, pretty much all the highlights, right? We occasionally lot, drop some yeah. stuff out to people. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, and Chris's, um, I think it, there's there's some level of the Patreon where you get um, Chris's work that he's doing on the lamplighter system. So Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's also a thing. Anyway, um, if you are a patron, 
already. Thank you very much. Your patronage is what helps this uh, keep going and go around kind of thing. So thank you very much. And if you're not a patron, we understand completely. There is a thing you can do that uses a little bit of your time, which we know is valuable. But yet, if you could just do this little thing, helps us immensely. In fact, several of you, I think, are the direct have are the direct benefits of other people doing this. What is that thing, Senda? Well, tell someone when they're looking for an RPG podcast that's system agnostic and not an actual play, hey, that's us. If they sound like they might be interested, uh, you know, drop drop them a note. Let them know. Um, it's really great. Um, usually works really well to, uh, you know, get the word out for us, which we really appreciate. And we love having more people listening because we love all of you. It's kind of the best. Anyway, if you want to do that anonymously, you can also leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice, wherever you're listening. Um, Reviews kind of do the same thing, except that they do require people to actually be looking for a podcast, um, you know, that falls into this category. And let's be real, Pandas is probably wasn't a really good like SEO title for a podcast. So we need all the help we can get. (laughs) yeah boy we could right but whatever it just means that the people who are here are committed and we love you (laughs) indeed indeed (laughs) hey say senda uh what do you think we should you know what i don't have a thing our game fits perfectly it's great it's fantastic no it's fine there's no question hit the music This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Yeah. And here we go. Audio. Got some audios. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How are you? We're back. <laughs> We're back. Back in a New York minute. Mm-hmm. Well, one of us is in a New York minute. You're, Me, you're in a New, I'm York in New York minute. Yeah. I'm in a Colorado minute. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. <laughs> Bloop. Uh, okay. Ooh, right now is the time when I just continuously mess with my microphone because I'm like, but is this the right place? <laughs> what if I put it here? Now I'm just trying to lean back in my chair and relax so much. Exactly. Exactly. So much, uh, what you call it? So much house cleaning for you. So but much house cleaning. Talk about that at the end of the show. Oh, now I've messed up where I'm pointing. <laughs> there we go. I just watched my waveforms go. <laughs> Directional audio. Bing. Bloop. All right. Do, you, do, you, do we need to look up a definition or do you already have your definition? I'm going to make it up as we go. Cool. We're talking about fit, right? Yeah, fit. We're going to have a fit check. Yes, fit check. Fit check. (laughs) That's what we should call the episode. Fit fit check. Yeah, it is what we should call the episode. My fit check for the day is... Ow! (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? Yes. I was about to say something funny. <laughs> I was gonna do a big grand gesture like a big arms thing and instead I smacked my my um my filing cabinet with my hand. <laughs> so instead of saying the big grandiose thing I was gonna say with the big arms thing, instead I just said ow. <laughs> and it's really funny. Back up boys and girls, <laughs> she's all mine. <laughs> She's all mine. (laughs) Cool. I'm good. I don't remember the funny thing I was going to say now because that was way funnier. (laughs) This is radio, not video. No one else is getting that. All right. Come on. We got to move along. I got got bread to, I got bread that's proofing. Oh, man. 
Okay, I don't know why that tickled me so very much, but it really did. Okay, bloop. Have you ever wondered why we don't count down backwards? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's just what we did. We could try it. No. (laughs) Very good. Maybe you do know why. You just funny. It occurred to me when you asked me. And I was like, wait, no. (laughs) Bloop. Oh my God. Why are you are you just making fodder for the outtakes? That I don't know. Doing? Just I Ryan's got Ryan's gonna be doing some work. I thought he might enjoy a laugh before we get started. <laughs> uh, we well, usually do do that again? starting faster. Don't, don't do the again as and then we'll do the uh the sure. silence right after. Okay. okay, let's try again. Okay. Okay. Bloop. Hello. Okay. Ready to do this? Yes. Okay. My I'm not messing with you. Just I'm just asking. Are you ready, are you ready to do this? <laughs> I'm like, You're a little gun shy. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, I've got some. I've got some serious intent to get this done so I can go finish baking some bread. Good. It'll be delicious bread. It's going to be delicious bread. You taught me how to make it. I know it's delicious bread. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Shh. Oh, hang on one second. Oh, okay. Now go. Shh. Sorry, Ryan, you might have to clean up the send of going, what do I words now? Oh my God. Okay. Do you have your shit together? I'm doing my best. Are you? I'm doing my best. My shit is not together. What's that Brendan Lee Mulligan quote that's been going around? Brendan Lee Mulligan? Which one? No, there's one that's going around on Twitter this week. Are you, uh, are you trying to impress somebody or are you trying not to disappoint? Or oh, I forget no. The- are you trying to achieve great things or are you trying to avoid disappointment? Oof. Let's <laughs> all ponder for a moment on that. <laughs> Fuck you, Brendan Lee Mulligan. Anyway. Um, bloop. Yeah, okay. Show me what you got. Show, Show me, me what, what you got. got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> 